All right, welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Special guest today, thrilled to have Jason Wheeler, the marketing coordinator from the Carrollton Farmers Branch Independent School District out in Texas. Jason, thanks so much for coming on. I've been following you for a few years on Twitter. Got to see you at the Ensper Conference last year in San Diego. Saw one of your presentations. You did a fantastic job, as always. So I've been meaning to get you on the podcast to talk some of this social media marketing, communications, and everything we do in school public relations. So thrilled to have you. Thanks for stopping by. Hey, Ryan. Thanks a lot for having me. I really appreciate it. I'm glad we could connect. So you can follow Jason on Twitter, which I highly recommend, WheelerCFB. Also, JasonWheeler.com has a great blog, podcast. I feel like we are, we're on the same page on so many of these school communication issues. So just wanted to pick your brain some more and get your philosophy and thoughts out to uh, my audience as well. So this is great. You have a great backstory about how you got into school communications. Just a little bit about how you got into your role with uh, there in Texas. Yeah, definitely. So I'm actually a product of the district that I work at. So pretty much my whole life has been spent in Carrollton Farmers Branch. I started in elementary school, graduated from the high school, and spent about four years um, at Texas A&M and then sort of came back to the area. I didn't, I wasn't um, in education at first. I was actually a salesman for a really quick year, it felt like, and I just knew I did not want to be a salesman uh, for the rest of my life. I did not want to do the cold calling, didn't want to be knocking on doors. So I was actually, this is where the story sort of gets a little funny, is I was sitting in my brother's football game. We're 11 and a half years apart, so I was a graduate of college and he was still in middle school. And I was sitting in the football stands with my parents uh, and the principal came up to me and says, oh my gosh, Jason Wheeler, you were my student aide when I was an assistant <laughs> principal. What are you doing? And I was like, I'm in sales. I'm, you know, I don't know if I like it or not. I just don't really know what my next step should be. And she goes, you know what? You're going to teach for me. So long story short, I get alternative certified. And within the next year, I am a social studies teacher in middle school. So I do that for about five years, and I get this awesome opportunity. We have academies in our school district, and the Academy for Media Arts and Technology. I have a real passion for film, and I directed some short films and written some uh, film scripts. So when this job came along, I grabbed at it and became a video production teacher and then ultimately became the director of that academy and that's when I started working with the communications department, making videos for them, doing some you know, graphic design for them, and just sort of interacting with their department. And when my position came up, um, I applied, and I guess the rest is history. I've been in my current position as marketing coordinator for almost five years now. That's awesome. That's, a, that's such a cool story, too, going back to the middle school and getting the teaching job. And I think it's so important for people in our roles to have a good grasp of what happens in the classroom so we can better support teachers. I love your film background. I'm always so biased because my background is a, as a journalist, so I always, you know, when I'm talking to other school districts and superintendents about, you know, if they're hiring at this kind of a position, I'm, I'm always biased towards journalists because that's what we do. We tell stories and now we're just telling the school district stories. What do you think makes a good communications person for a school district? What what traits do you look for? I think just knowing the why behind, you know, our purpose. I think that definitely we start off with we're doing this for the kids, right? So you have to be someone that's passionate about children and education and just knowing that our role is, you know, just as vital as the classroom teacher. We're putting all the great stuff that's happening in our school districts and communicating, you know, all the great things that are happening. So someone that's definitely passionate about education and that's going to support public education, I think that's number one for me. And I, and I think just someone that is going to stay up with the trends and uh, know what is the best avenue and the best way to communicate with parents, uh, teachers, and students in our, you know, even our older community. I think that a lot of people feel that education, when you look at it from people looking at the corporate inside, look that education is pretty far behind of some of the trends that are happening and things like that. And I think that's why it's so important that 
we don't let that be something that's going to hold us back and just, oh, we're just going to do what we always do because we're education. It really doesn't matter. I want someone that, you know, knows the trends and is going to utilize those to get the best results possible. Love it. Could not agree with you more. So tell us a little bit about Carrollton Farmers Branch, your school district, how many students, and kind of what you guys are about. Yeah, definitely. So we are a suburb of Dallas, Texas. So we're about 20 minutes north of downtown Dallas. Uh, we uh, represent actually six cities um, in our metroplex. Our districts are pretty crazy in Texas. Um, we, you know, our borderlines of the districts cross into many different cities. So even though we're called Carrollton Farmers Branch, we actually make up six cities um, in the surrounding area. And we have about 26,000 students and 38 campuses and a couple like special centers that uh, we also operate. Um, I think our highest growth area is around the DFW airport. If people have flown in there, uh, the Irving, Las Colinas area, uh, a lot of businesses are moving in there. A lot of corporations are um, uprooting themselves and moving to the Texas Dallas area. So we're benefiting from that to have a high growth area on our western side of our district. So um, some of our newer schools are over there, of course. But uh, yeah, we have um, programs all the way from K through 12. Uh, we just launched uh, what we're calling stellar signature programs. So those are academies. I talked about the academies in the high school, but the academies at elementary school. So we are now offering a STEM academy at five of our campuses, fine arts academies at four of our campuses, and next year at two of our campuses as well, we're launching actually a coding academy where they're going to learn computer programming and video game design at the elementary school level. So it's pretty exciting. We have a lot of great opportunities for our students. And I sort of feel my philosophy is marketing is not only communicating the good things and, you know, uh, promoting what we're doing, but also help create some of the product and almost like a brand um, project manager and sort of help create with the educational department um, some of the things that we're doing in the district. Sounds exciting. I mean, that's what parents and students want now, all these academies. They want, like you said, with the communications professional to stay up on the trend, they want to get their kids prepared for what their jobs are going to be, many of which we don't know what they are yet, but it sounds like you guys are doing a lot of innovative and exciting things, which makes our role that much more exciting, too, because it's new, it's fast, and we got to get the word out there. So that, that sounds very cool. So tell us about your communications department, how many people do you have, and kind of how that structure works for you guys. Yeah, definitely. So um, we have, um, you know, for our size uh, district, we're pretty much on par with some of the um, comparable districts in our area. So we have an overall um, chief of communications, that's um, Angela Shelley Brown. And underneath her, we've sort of split it into three different sections with Angela taking a lot of the uh, internal and uh, communication and also crisis management um, is a lot of her role. I fall under the rung of more marketing and promotion. And then I have a counterpart that's on my level as coordinator, Pam Pena, and she actually does community relations and business partnerships. And then we also have a graphic designer, a webmaster, and we also um, recently added a videographer. So that helps me. The graphic designer and uh, webmaster and videographer are sort of under me, and they help promote and do the stuff that we need to do to get our message out. So I work quite a bit with the graphic designer and videographer, and then our end products end up with the webmaster, so she helps us you know, with the flow of some of the communications as well. Everything really is bigger in Texas. That's, <laughs> I know. That, I, I always hate when I'm on like, <laughs> the podcast or talking with people, they're like, okay, you have a lot of people in your department. You are very lucky. So but, we are very lucky. We have some talented people, too. I love it, because when I was at for the National Conference, and that's the National School Public Relations Association, where all of us spruz from out throughout the country. I'm in Calspra. I'm sure you're in Tspra. Um, we all kind of talk about our departments and stuff and in California I don't know how it is in Texas there's mo a lot of school districts I would roughly estimate probably about 50% somewhere around there have a communications person in their district it's growing more people are adding them which is great but a lot of them I used to be a one one man department for a school district of 10,000 
Um, yep. We recently added a public information officer, so that's great. So we're considered actually highly staffed in communications with two people, but I love actually learning from other districts and going to their sessions at Inspira from Texas. You guys have big communications department and have, have figured it out that we're slowly figuring out here in California the importance of having communications in your schools. Why have you guys figured it out out there and um, it's just impressive to see the large teams and the importance that your board of educations and superintendents are putting on communications. Yeah, definitely. And I think if you look at the trends in the DFW area, the Dallas-Fort Worth area, a lot of school districts are starting to concentrate on marketing in their communications department. You know, in the past, there was a lot to do with internal communications and crisis communications. Now you're seeing a lot of the districts in the Dallas area, even some of the smaller districts, hiring someone that is sort of in charge of marketing. Um, I know in Dallas and you know all over Texas, we are being um, inundated. I guess I guess I don't know if that's the correct word, but uh, with charter schools, so we're seeing a lot of competition and a lot of our parents having choices now that they've never had in the past. So in the past 10 years, you know, there's always been private schools, but now there's online schools, there's Montessori schools, there's charter schools, uh, there's the definitely homeschooling that's been around for a while, but we are seeing definitely increased competition. Just in our district, we have about six or seven charter schools that have popped up. So with that, you're always worrying or always, you know, concerned about keeping your enrollment because we all know, you know, enrollment drives revenue for school districts. So. We're really concentrating on marketing as a big um, point for our uh, communication teams. I mean, that's. I mean, Texas has figured it out. I think California is behind you guys as far as that philosophy. But it, everyone's facing it. Like you said, you hit the nail on the head. There has never been more options for parents to get their kids an education than today. Online, charter, magnet. I mean, homeschooling is even bigger. So it's huge, and it's not like it's this, all right, schools need to get these fancy, fancy Pepsi and Coke commercials out there and you know, sell them something that's not really there. It's just, no, they just need to understand how good the schools are, the programs are amazing, highlight their teachers, and why they want to send their kids to their schools. Because if they don't know how great your school is, why aren't they not going to go to the private school who's doing three times as much marketing than the public school? Exactly. Yeah, we're seeing charter schools where marketing budgets are in the millions sometimes. So, you know, public schools have to, you know, not worry about competing anymore. We, we just have to to be able to. I mean, there will always be public schools, but to sort of survive at the level that we're used to, you know, having enrollment wise. Yeah, and for me, when I go to conferences and speak to other superintendents throughout the state and the region, you know, there's always that older mindset of, you know, it's hard to get a communications position to justify it for the budget, all that stuff that you've heard, but look, when you're going out to your communities and asking for parcel taxes, bond measures, and begging basically for money, in California our budget's terrible um, as it is, so we want to do more with what we have and get more. Um, so if that person that, you say you're spending $100,000 on a marketing position with benefits or whatever it is, but if that person's going to help bring in or lead the PR campaign for a partial tax bond measure to bring in multi-million dollars, it easily justifies, at least in my mind, uh, creating another communications position. Um, so that's kind of one of the reasons I, t I tell people and superintendents and boards of education that there's so many reasons and uh, the person can really justify their position and salary by what they can ultimately do for your school district and the budget. Definitely. I mean, you know, the past two years, Carroll Farmers Branch has passed two big, you know, initiatives. We did a tax ratification election, which passed two years ago. And then um, a couple months ago in November, we passed um, a bond issuance. So we've had two major things that, you know, without the communications department, um, I think, you know, it would have been a lot harder to convince the public that what investment is needed in their public schools. So one of the things that you do in your role so well is content marketing to help spread the word. 
So when you talk to conferences and other folks about content marketing, what does that translate to and how can that really help spread those good stories of your schools and your school district? Yeah, sure. I think that millennials and Generation Z, I hate to classify generations, but I think people we found out don't like advertising. <laughs> they do anything they can to avoid advertising. They want someone that's gonna provide them value and that someone's gonna help them make the decision to choose their product or brand and that's sort of where content marketing comes in. It's all about creating valuable content that is going to help a person solve their problems. So I'm really, really big on content marketing. We've seen a lot of success in our school district by just helping parents. It's hard to raise a child these days. Like we talked about before, there's so many options. There's so many different changing things that are happening with the curriculum, the way schools work. And if there's any way that we can help them and make the process easier and to understand how their kid is going to get educated and have a bright future, uh, content marketing is going to help in those regards. So we do anything and everything to help rather than try to sell our products and our programs. Um, not that we don't use advertising and you know do some of that, but a lot of what we do is to help the consumer, being the parents, make the best decision possible for their child. I think my first INSPIRE I ever went to, there was a speaker that says most parents, the number one thing they care about, of course, is their children, but they want to be seen to other parents as being competent parents. So if they're getting valuable information that's going to help them be a competent parent, they're going to really like that and they're going to be able to you know, showcase that to other parents and people around the neighborhood. So give us some examples of what you guys use and utilize for content marketing in your district. Yeah, sure. So the first thing I did, one of my first things that I implemented when I started my job is we created a blog and it's called School of Hoop. And what that is, is our teachers provide content to this blog and they provide everything from, you know, how to survive the first day of kindergarten to um, what math, uh, to know about the new math model, to, you know, healthy snacks for your student over the summer break when they're away from the cafeteria. So we have people constantly putting content and constantly giving new ideas and you know new uh, things to put on our blog. So that was the first thing we did is sort of make a hub of where parents could find this information and be able to utilize this and ask questions on that hub and to be able to share it with their friends and family. So that was sort of the first step. And then a lot of what we do are video content. Um, we hosted a kindergarten live, we called it, and what that was is basically a round table of expert kindergarten teachers and principals and we did, went Facebook Live. And we promoted it heavily um, before we went and parents were allowed to either write in or email questions or they could ask it live during the program. So that's what we did and we did it for about an hour, went around the, you know, all the teachers and uh, just broadcast it on Facebook Live, and you know that got us 25,000 views from preschool parents and potential kindergarten parents just to know the processes and how to be successful for putting their children in kindergarten. I love so that's another big thing that we do is you know, the video marketing is really big right now. I love that idea, and we have a big push in our district for our. Uh, pre-K and kindergarten K camps we call them to get the kids acclimated to the school so they're less nervous but those parents love the tips especially the first time you know mom and dad just had their first kid and they're going to kindergarten they don't know what to expect so all those tips um, but I love your Facebook live idea with some of the teachers and stuff and I'm just thinking on top of my head I know names in our district of teachers that would be that are so good about that sort of stuff and getting the information um, and we we're just having this Conversation, so you just gave me a, a wonderful idea, so I appreciate it. Um, no, yeah. What was the other thing? Oh, the other thing I was going to ask you, so uh, I love the content from the teachers and all that. How did you get them, or what avenue, advertising, etc., did you do to kind of corral that content from them or push out to them that you're seeking this content? How did you organize it all? 
Yeah, so what I've learned is always go to uh, one of the superintendents first because <laughs> they're going to have a lot more um, pull than I will with some of the teachers. You know, I think help, it helped me being in the district for so long and knowing a lot of the teachers and knowing a lot of people that work in the district. But first off I did is I went straight to the top and said, you know, I have this idea. I think it would be a great strategy for our school district. And what she did, she helped me develop a list of potential teachers that would probably fit the role really well as being an expert teacher, someone that is relatable to the parents and the students, and that someone that is just sort of a trusting individual. Because I think that's one of the biggest things about content marketing. You need someone that the parent is going to trust when you're creating this content. So what we did for after that is we sort of just started either walking into the classroom with those teachers or emailing them and sort of explaining what content marketing is about. I just didn't want to say, hey, we write me this blog post because then they think it's just work and, you know, mm -hmm. I wanted them to show the benefit. I wanted them to know how this was going to pay off in the end. It was definitely going to help our district but also help them. And I think really right now one of the biggest things that I'm starting to concentrate on developing marketing plans about is personal branding of our teachers and our staff because I feel that the parents trust the teachers a lot more than maybe the communication department or the principals or the superintendents. It's a relatable face. Um, it's someone that their children, uh, child is comfortable with. So I really think that building personal brands of teachers is something that's going to really catch on. It's going to be a really big trend as we move forward because not only are we helping them brand um, as you know professional growth which a lot of millennials and generations see that's the top thing they ask for when they're starting a new job is, you know, something growth and having leadership roles. But also that personal brand is going to build trust with our parents and they're more likely not to leave for where they think the grass is greener if there's a trusting individual that's been helping along in the process of raising their child. I like that philosophy because it's true. Sometimes parents get kind of sick and tired of the, you know, the suits doing all the talking. And if you can have a teacher that... They obviously, as you mentioned, their kid is with every day. They see them. They have a relationship. And I think there is a trustability factor, if you will, with, you know, having mixing up the voices from the district, um, not always being the superintendent and the communications person, but utilizing teachers, hearing from them, and utilizing students. Um, one thing that I know, and I'm sure your teachers have it too, is a lot of our teachers love doing the writing when you talked about the blogs and stuff. Um, and they already have the content there. I think it's just uh, for people to kind of chat with them and then kind of get one singular platform where your parents can go and you can organize it nice and neatly. So I think a lot of the times the content is already done by your teachers in so many of these areas, um, but to put it all in one nice neat package for parents is uh, such a good idea. Speaking of teachers, California, we're lucky here in our district, we're not dealing with this as much because uh, we do get out the great word of all of our teachers and what they're doing. So when we fly a teacher position, we do get a lot of applications, but our state is in a big time teacher shortage crisis and districts are trying to figure out things to do to attract teachers and some districts are building some types of housing, offering big time bonuses to get teachers. They're going to job fairs in other states to try and attract teachers. What's the situation like in Texas and how relevant is that with your communications plan? Yeah, definitely. So um, just two years ago, actually, our superintendent came to the communications department and said, what can we do marketing-wise to attract teachers to our district, but he wanted to attract quality teachers to our district? We're seeing a, lot, a large trend um, at our universities and where we usually recruit from, there are a lot lower numbers in the education department of graduating seniors or just overall in the departments we're seeing a little bit of a decline of people wanting to become education majors and teachers. So with that, we're seeing less people, you know, applying for the jobs. So it was our goal over the last two years to improve how many people are applying, but also we want to look at it as a uh, long-term benefit as well is looking, once we recruit those teachers and they sign on the dotted line to work in our district, are they staying and are they quality teachers that through the interview process our principal selected the best possible person for the job? So we 
came up with working with the uh, personnel services department a whole plan to start recruiting teachers at universities. So um, I helped, I was a major part of developing that campaign and just putting things in there that I would say that I sort of stole from the corporate world. And um, we talked earlier about, um, before the, the broadcast, about how sometimes I think education is a little bit behind looking at trends and looking the way that we're marketing or promoting our products. So I looked at it from a whole point of view of what are the big boys doing at these job fairs? What kind of setup are they having at their table? What are they wearing? How are they, um, you know, recruiting these people while they're at the job fair? And then what do they do after the job fair? Because recruiting doesn't end when you take their resume and say, all right, shake their hand and, you know, they hope we choose the district that is ours. But it really, a lot of it has to do with what happens afterwards. So that's a lot of what our marketing plan was developed on the pre-promotion of, you know, going to the job fair, during the job fair, and then what do we do after to attract those teachers? What are some of those takeaways that you guys found that some of these innovative corporate companies are doing to attract talent that you guys utilized? Sure. So the first thing I always say when I present on this topic is uh, do not recruit in a suit. So um, <laughs> what we did is we actually went to, this is, you know, give me something funny, we went to like, sites like Urban Outfitters, Forever 21, <laughs> Anthropology, things like that. We're like, okay, what are the teens wearing? What are the you know college kids wearing? So we didn't go you know too drastic, but we did, instead of wearing the suits and ties that we usually went and did, we first off changed our appearance. So we still wear slacks, but we came up with a t-shirt that was sort of trendy looking. And that was designed, so the first thing we did is we wore a t-shirt to the job fairs with our big logo on the front and some, like, cool design. So everyone else being in a suit, us in our dark red with a big Texas on it with our, you know, our uh, name of our district inside that Texas, it really made us stand out. So that was the first thing kids would even come up to us. I came over here just to see your t-shirt. So love it, love it. It made us stand out. Great. So that was sort of the first layer. But what we really did is we paid a little bit more to have a line of people, like a layers of people that we bring to the recruitment process. So instead of bringing one or two people um, to recruit, we actually brought like five, six people, and we would have layers the way we recruited. So two people would be like rovers and they would walk around the job fair and I don't know if you've been to a job fair before um, for a teacher education job fair but there's a lot of people that stand around they're a little nervous they don't really know how to approach the job fair yeah. there's a lot of people that hang out with their friends so once talking they're sort of off to the side and waiting for their friend you know a little bit of a comfort thing so our first line of defense was people went out and we made these cool looking little business cards that have these slogans on it and things like that and we went out and handed those out and said, hey, we're right over here. We're a suburb of Dallas. We'd really like you to check you out. So that was the first thing. Those were sort of the recruiters. Mm -hmm. They went out on the floor and actually recruited people to come in and maybe not have stopped by our booth. The second line people were sort of the screeners. So we had two more people that were screeners, and they would sort of gauge if this is someone that needs to talk to our third layer, which is probably the principals and the HR department that actually had hiring privileges. So from there, we sort of did it in layers and we were able to attract, screen, and then hopefully find the best possible candidate that we could. And then after that, we had them fill out um, a form because what we did, instead of just ending the job fair process there, we actually created and held mixers that were either on campus or in a restaurant, and we would have people that we felt were the strong candidates come and have free food and talk with us on a more personal level. So we took this little invite card and they had to fill it out. So sort of a secret ploy because we took their phone number. Instead of emailing them, we texted them at the end of the day and say, hey, thank you so much. We really personalized it with their name and you know what major they might have been 
understand like science, reading, math, or um, what certification they had, and we really personalized that message to make them feel that we really cared. And that those mixers, we sort of had some fun, just talked to them more on a personal level, so they sort of felt more comfortable around us, and you know, it was a lot easier for them to apply and you know get to know us a little bit better. Every part of that plan is genius. I love it all. How about the results? Then did you guys see some good results from uh, that those recruitment efforts? Definitely. So uh, over the course of last year, we doubled the amount of applications we got from the previous year, and so principals were thrilled because we had more people ever at our job fair, and they were good quality people, and they already were familiar with our district, so the principals didn't have to waste a lot of time to re-explain what they were all about. They could go into right, you know qualifying the candidate to maybe pick the best teacher possible. That's amazing. And then you text them to follow up. It's just that next level of connecting with the younger generation. They'd rather get a text from you than a phone call or some, you know, corporate copy and paste email. So every exactly. part of that every part of that process is so awesome that you guys did that and just a great idea for everyone listening to this. Social media, we talk a lot about teachers, getting teachers in. It's interesting, Jason, we found that our new teachers are actually not, it kind of goes against the millennial mindset where you think all these young teachers coming in are the ones on social media and they're active, but we're finding, at least in California, for the most part, when they're going to colleges and studying education and all that, their professors and the colleges are saying, stay off of social media, it's nothing but terrible, it's bad. Um, and our philosophy here as our district is, no, it's it's weird if we go and look at a candidate that we're recruiting and they have no digital footprint. That's just odd, mm-hmm. as opposed to somebody with a blog, they're on Twitter, connecting with other teachers. What do you see out in Texas in your school district as far as teachers, administrators, and the like on social media, and which sites are they leaning towards? Yeah, definitely. So, I, you know, it's funny you say that because we're seeing sort of the same sort of things. I think so many times they've been warned throughout their life, don't post anything on social media, don't post anything on social media, don't post anything on social media um, because it's going to, you know, prevent you from getting into college or getting a job, things like that. So we see that too. A lot of our first year teachers don't have the same grasp on social media as we would think they would have. Mm -hmm. But a lot of our second, third, and fourth year teachers have started going to professional development where they're saying that, you know, it's, you need to do that, you need to develop your personal brand, you need to develop your classroom brand. So a lot of our second, third year teachers are jumping back on the bandwagon and they're going at it pretty strong. So we see a lot of our teachers on Twitter because I think that's sort of, I always classify Twitter as more of a like professional development zone for teachers, mm-hmm. you know, to share ideas, Twitter chats, things like that. I, you know, but I don't know what it is, how it is in California, but our analytics are showing that we've seen a steep decline on parents and students using Twitter to at least get information and drive them and following the call to actions we want them to do. Yeah, I see the same trends. The parents are still all on Facebook. The teachers and stuff, like you said, professional development is great with all the Twitter chats. We host a couple as a school district. Um, then the students seem to be on IG, Instagram, uh, but we see those same trends. And for us, our school district, we're pretty proactive with social media, so when we have our new educator academy with first-year teachers in the summer, before they start, they kind of, we put it, our superintendent actually said, you know what, let's train, because we did it with our staff in previous years, our uh, superintendents, our principals, and our other teachers, we have workshops for them, but we just make it a part of the new educator academy now where day one, it's an expectation. Like, I know you heard all this stay off of social media stuff, and there are some dark pockets, but the rewards of the PD and the cross-collaboration within our own district and with other teachers across the country is amazing. The ideas out there and the connections that teachers can get on their own time you see what's happening through your own district. Um, it's been great. So for us, we we have every superintendent, every principal, and all these teachers, but it was just amazing. It was weird. So finally, we asked them last year in the New Educator Academy, like, why aren't, like, who's on social media? Why aren't you? And kind of our um, thoughts about that, our philosophy, uh, 
was kind of came to light that yeah we're still told to stay off of it it's not good um, so, so it's kind of fascinating for you guys as a school district what are kind of your social media platforms that are the go-to for you and the different demographics among them Sure, and we, we did the same thing with our teachers. I went around to every school and gave a branding presentation and a presentation on how that relates to social media. So we definitely encouraged all of our staff and uh, teachers to be on social media. But our hot ones are just exactly what you said is <laughs> happening in California. A lot of our teachers are on Twitter. Um, then, of course, the kids are on Instagram. And then the parents are still on Facebook. And we're seeing some. Uh, well, I shouldn't say some. I'd say quite a bit of our younger parents are definitely on Instagram. So we're starting to do a lot of promotional stuff and a lot of things related to younger parents on Instagram as, as, as well as our um, students. But so our main platforms that we're on are Facebook, which we still see as the number one driving source to our website and um, the most engagement, I would say. Um, our fastest growing platform we're on is Instagram, and um, that's, you know, because of the teens and things like that. Um, we're also on Twitter. Uh, we do have a LinkedIn presence, and that's mainly, I wouldn't say that's a great interaction tool for parents yet, um, but we do interact and do with a lot of the college students because the one, I think, social media platform they're still on because I think in college they're asked to develop one just as, from a professional standpoint is LinkedIn. So we do some of recruiting tactics and some of our promotion through LinkedIn. Um, so we do have that as well. We have a Snapchat account. We're not active on Snapchat except for we do a lot of geo filters for the kids that are on Snapchat. So we'll draw boundaries around a school, around a football stadium, things like that, and pay 15, 20 bucks to have a filter for three hours at the homecoming game and they can swipe and put the filter on there. So we have branded content on Snapchat, but we're just not putting out that content ourselves, except for in the form of lenses and filters and things like that. So how do you do that with the Snapchat, getting the geo filter for your own area? What's that process like? So it's a little confusing because Snapchat does not make it easy. They have so many different products that they're trying to sell on their platform, and they don't have, like, you know, Facebook has the ad manager where everything's right there and you can select and choose of how you want to do it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Snapchat's sort of all over the place. You have to go to a special section for lenses, a different webpage, a different webpage for filters and things like that. So it took us a while to sort of perfect it, and we tried to do it for free because Snapchat claims you can do it for free, but there's so many uh, rules that they you have to follow to do it free. No logos, mm. no mention of any types of names, things like that. If it looks branded colors, you're not allowed to do that. So... We end up paying quite a bit, but it's really not that bad for what it gets us in engagement. So we'll pay, and basically you go on there, and it's really easy once you find <laughs> where to do this at. But basically it has a large map. You put in a zip code, and then you can start drawing around any building or any um, uh, city outline or wherever you want to. You can draw sort of like a lasso around the area you want to concentrate on and you'd say what date and how long you want to do it for, they'll come back with a price. Fridays and Saturdays are usually a little bit more expensive because that's when more people are doing it, so the bids go up on that, but we found it's really not that expensive and we have seen tens of thousands of our filters and lenses used in within an hour of you know what we're doing. So, And the engagement rate is pretty high. If a person sees it, we have about a 75 to 80 percent usage rate. So if they see the filter when they're swiping, they'll use it just to sort of timestamp and sort of brand the event that they were at. That's a cool way to use Snapchat. You don't really need to use it yourself to push out content, but people are you're branding yourself through the geo filters, and that's a really innovative, cool approach to Snapchat. Your Twitter has over 10,000 followers for your school district. Facebook over 12,000 followers amazing for us we talked about earlier facebook for the parent demographic is huge still our number one but we all know last year the facebook algorithm they always get adjusted and for some reason or another 
We know most of the reasons. They're not favoring pages, even though you're a school district, nonprofit, local church, police department, it is much harder to get your message out there and your information out into the newsfeed. What have you guys done to try and alleviate the algorithm issues that school districts and everyone else is having to get their information out? Sure. So the, the first thing, which is going to seem kind of strange, is like less people are seeing it, so do we need to push out more content? Actually, we are putting out less content. We're doing quality over quantity, the old English teacher, you know, thing. I'm looking <laughs> for quality, not quantity. Um, we're doing that with a lot of our Facebook posts. So we'll post one, maybe two posts a day rather than four, five, six, because from what I've read and a lot of the blogs that I read, a lot of the podcasts I listen to, Facebook is dinging you if you're just constantly posting to your page. So that's the first thing we did. We've cut back on what we are posting and how we're posting it and what times and things like that. I found the best time to post, at least for our district, is at drop-off time and pick-up time. Pick-up mm. being time a little bit uh, larger because the parents, what are they doing? They're waiting for their kids. What are they probably doing in the car? They're <laughs> on the phone uh, doing social media. So I call it the whale. In the morning, it peaks. That's sort of the head of the whale. Then it continues throughout the day a little bit, you know, sort of steady because the parents are, you know, wanting to get away from work a little bit, so they're on their phones. And then it hits it carpool pickup again because they're just waiting in their cars. And then it goes down when dinner time, but then it spikes back up right when the kids are put to sleep. So that's the whale's tail um, when it spikes back up. So um, that's sort of when we post or try to post. I try to post in the morning. If I do do a second post, I'll either do it at carpool pickup time if it's like an elementary school post or I will wait till about 8, 8.30 when the kids are put to bed. So when the parents get on there relaxing on the couch, they um, will see some of our posts. So that's the second thing we do. And then, of course, we're really big on video and live video in our district. Facebook seems to be a little bit more lenient when you do video content. <laughs> mm -hmm. So we try to do as much video and sort of high visuals and uh, live video to hopefully get out a little bit more engagement with some of our posts. So those are sort of the three major things we do. But of course, the fourth thing, which I know a lot of uh, school districts cringe at, uh, we pay to play. Yeah. <laughs> we, if there's something that we really feel that needs to get out there and we want a lot of people to see it, uh, we're going to do Facebook advertising to uh, get that out there. Yeah, it's a tough issue because Facebook is still the number one platform for our target demographic, which is parents, but parents are seeing it less because of the algorithm they want us, as you said, to pay to play. Um, one of the things we did is we actually, I even, I did a video, sent it to an email blast to our parents explaining the new algorithm and then how, because some of our parents were getting frustrated because why am I seeing you guys? Are you guys off of Facebook? So they were getting frustrated thinking it was us not putting anything out there and they really enjoy just going through the newsfeed and seeing what's happening in their schools. So we did a video just explaining what's happening. We're still there. And then we explained how to do the C first when you go to somebody's page and how to set that up. Facebook yep. allows you to do, I think it's 30, maybe 40 different pages where you can do the C first option and they'll pop up a lot more. But even then, they don't show all of them. And so then we explained in the video, so do the C first. This is how you do it. And then if you really want to make sure, go to our page every day. Just take that second step. Just Go to the page, see what you missed, and it should all be there. Um, frustrating, but it is what it is, and Facebook is still crushing it, making millions and billions of dollars. Um, but those are, I appreciate your tips because they're all really good, and school districts, we rely on Facebook. And the other thing I, I tell other my PR colleagues, too, is you know don't be afraid to use your email blast system. I mean, it's a direct link to all of your parents, your direct target demographic, and somebody doesn't need to be on lockdown or bleeding on a campus to use your email blast system. You can use it for good news, um, so utilize that as well. I totally agree. I mean, I think that parents wouldn't opt into those systems, or you know, they would definitely complain if they felt that that was you know uh, making their life hard when you blast out those things. I, from what we hear, 
we get more complaints of not having information than having too much information. So I totally agree with you that, and I think that video idea was awesome just to let you know because we always get parents, why didn't you post my kid's picture? Um, well, we did post that about the science fair and things like that. You might not have seen it, so here's the reason why. So, yeah, just education and really telling the parents that if you want to see more information, you got to interact with our content as well. So don't just like it. you got to comment and share because if you do that more often, you're going to see a lot more of our content. That's a great idea, too, because I'll tell our PTAs that, too, and they say, you know, sometimes our stuff doesn't get out there and say if you really want to help, a, don't just look at the content, hit like or hit a reaction, comment, and we would love for you to share it. But the more you do that, and not just for your son or daughter's club, but for the rest of the you know other areas in the district, then that will help get it out because as we know, the Facebook algorithm, the more likes, reactions, it thinks that people will enjoy that content, so it'll keep putting it out there. If no likes or reactions, Facebook is going to quickly bury that content. Quickly before we go with Jason Wheeler, appreciate all the time, fantastic ideas. Jason, you're always on top of the trends. So 2019, here we go. What are you seeing for this year with school marketing and public relations uh, down the road? Yeah, definitely. So I'm actually presenting at Teespra um, in a week and a half on this subject. So I've been a little prepared. So I was sort of anticipating this question, but I think I talked a little bit about personal branding. I think the more you can convince your teachers that they're not only building their personal brand, but also developing uh, you know, a great brand for their classroom on social media, it's going to help out everyone involved. It's going to help out them. It's going to help out the uh, parents, the students, and, of course, the school district. So I think, you know, definitely personal branding and just knowing how to utilize that and doing the best you possibly can and know a little bit about branding uh, for your teachers. I think that's, you know, one of the trends I see is we're going to go a little bit more from the whole school district marketing to more of, like, individual personalized teacher marketing. Um, and then I think that um, sort of in the moment is sort of the trend right now. We're seeing a lot of popularity with Instagram stories and live videos. So I think the more districts can learn about those techniques and what you can do to sort of be more in the moment rather than just posting stuff and, you know, hopefully it's going to be seen. Um, Instagram, of course, is putting a lot of emphasis on stories, so that's going to pop up on the top of your timeline, so it's going to be more visible for your people to see. Facebook uh, stories as well, so just that in the moment with the live video, um, in the moment is going to be big going, I think, into 2019. I think we're all going to need to utilize those tools to get more people to see our content. Very and I also think with social media, um, they call it omni-channel marketing. We can't just rely on one channel to push out our messaging. Social media is great, um, and I, you know, it's my number one choice to promote and to do what we do in our school district. But I think there's a strong push to we need to follow them where they're at and how they receive information. So fa Facebook, Instagram, um, you know, whatever we do is going to be the first layer, but there's still room for doing some traditional and some doing, I think event marketing is going to be very, very important for school districts. Um, everything I'm reading about millennials and Generation Z is they like to look at stuff digitally, but they also like to touch and feel and have sort of a tangible moment with the product that they're going to buy or they're going to experience. So I think having events at your school and having district events about your program, things like that, is definitely going to help. Um, fuel some of your social media and some of the things that um, we're doing in the school district. So I think event marketing, double down with that social media presence is going to be huge as well. And of course, video I think is going to be huge. I think customer service on um, all the social media platforms is going to become big. I think that you know parents are relying so much on social media instead of calling the 1-800 numbers to get information or calling your district hotline or to you know email the principal they're going straight to social media to look for their answers and to train people to really answer those questions and do it in a timely manner i think it's going to be really important Always. and i guess the last thing yeah yeah go ahead i was yeah i think the last thing i would say is i really have a strong feeling about this that voice search is going to become huge and I think we're going to see a lot of the first, the larger districts jump on board and create 
these Amazon Echo uh, skills and some Google Home, you know, types of programming to when a parent says, hey, Alexa, what's on the school menu today? Alexa's going to tell them what's on their school menu for the day or what time does bus 123 pick up. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think that's going to be huge. I think the last two uh, Christmas uh, Amazon has said that their number one selling product has been their Alexa or the Amazon Echo. Mm-hmm. So I think that's going to be huge when more and more people have it in their household and they start using that, feel more comfortable using it. I think that's going to be a big advantage for schools because – you know, in the morning when you're packing that backpack, you know, just to have that that resource to know what's going on in the school district, at your school, I think that's going to be huge. Jason Wheeler, always on top of the trends, the latest and greatest in school marketing, communications, and PR. We appreciate the time. I mean, the ideas you gave us today were just amazing. I love just your philosophy, but then you can explain the tangibles and the exact, get it kind of into the uh exact details of what you're doing so we really appreciate your time uh much respect for you and your school district out there uh carrollton farmers branch to your superintendent and all those folks what you guys are doing it's very impressive i've been following along so appreciate you coming on sharing some of your insights and ideas you can check them out on twitter wheeler cfb and then jasonwheeler.com he's got a great blog and podcast that you should be listening to and we appreciate you jason coming on this podcast was a absolute pleasure my friend oh i had so much fun and that website's jason a wheeler the jason wheeler takes you to some bird sites so it's jason (laughs) a wheeler so but i really appreciate it right i had so much fun talking with you uh awesome being able to have this conversation i really had a lot of good you know fun yeah i could do this for three more hours i know you got to go but i'll definitely have you back on hit some more topics enjoyed it and uh, we'll talk soon jason thanks so much all right thanks a lot i appreciate it and episode number 22 is in the books and that was a lot of good information from jason you can also follow him on linkedin he posts a lot of his videos and blogs and info on there. I'm on LinkedIn as well, and you can follow me on Twitter, Ryan P. Ferran. My blog is ryanprferran.blogspot.com. Bunch of blogs, podcasts, and info there. I have my consulting page where you can see what I do for consulting services. ton of information that is absolutely free on the podcast and on the blog. And if you ever need a, you're in the middle of something, going through a crisis communications or you have a thought about something or strategic communications, feel free to give me a call and I'll be happy to talk to you 20, 30 minutes, whatever you need, uh, free of charge. Uh, the consulting is just some deep dive stuff that I do on occasion with uh, some school districts and superintendents that I enjoy doing as well. But if you ever need a quick phone call, you're going through something, you're in the middle of it, I do that quite often, be happy to do it. Um, so feel free to reach out and we can chat. All right, again, a big thanks to Jason Wheeler, and we will see everyone next time. Keep on advocating for public education and getting the good word out there. Talk to you soon, everyone. Thank you so much.